Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. So we're, uh, we're in a series um, called Free Indeed. And the Lord, uh, several weeks ago, he laid it upon my heart to, um, to do a series on being free from anything and everything that might be holding you back in your life. Okay, any form of bondage, anything that's holding you back, I believe we're in a season of freedom where God wants us to step out of those things into his glorious light. Galatians chapter five, verse one, it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Okay, I mentioned this last week. Why did Jesus set us free? For freedom. He set you free for freedom. He, set, he sets us free because you were created to be free. You weren't created to be in bondage. You weren't uh, created to be in chains. You weren't created to be held down by, by sin, the, the, the flesh, the world, demonic you know, spirits. You, weren't, you were created to be free. You were created to walk free from that. Okay? And so that's what we've been focusing on. What I want you to notice, though, is Galatians 5.1. He says, stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It is possible... It is possible to be a Christian, to be set free, and it's possible to be burdened again. It's possible to go back under forms of slavery. In this context, Paul's talking about the law, um, coming back under rule-based Christianity as, as a burden. But it is possible as a Christian to be burdened once again with the yoke of slavery. And I, we just want to talk, I want to, we want to be talking about that for the next few weeks. So if there's anything in your life that you need set free from, um, I believe there's a grace in this season to be set free from that. On a side note, um, I, this wasn't an announcement, so I want to mention this. Um, Pastor Bill, or where's Pastor Bill? He's right here. Um, he's doing our freedom class, and it starts, it actually starts not Monday, but the following Monday, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll announce it next weekend as well, but um, he's, he's doing our freedom class. And this is something I actually encourage, um, oh, hey, thank you guys. Um, it wasn't even in notes. Um, it's it's uh, basics and beyond. It's, it's, it's like our new believers class on steroids, but um, we actually thought of a better tagline for it. And I'm not remembering what it is, but it's basically um, freedom, okay? So, and it's kind of uh, in tandem with what I'm preaching here, and he's gonna go into even probably deeper detail. And so um, please do yourself a favor, and if you've never, never gone through our freedom class, that's gonna be kicking off, not tomorrow, but the following Monday. And so this is a season. I believe it's a season for us to break free, to, to get free, and to stay free, amen? So um, I'm gonna open up with a question. What does total freedom look like in your life? What does it look like for you to have complete and total freedom in Jesus, okay? Um, in John chapter 14, verse 30, I feel like I'm gonna kick these, so I'm gonna just move these up a hair, okay? All right. Hey, Graham, how are you doing, buddy? Good to see you, bud. Thanks for coming to church. Um, Graham was part of a ministry we were doing for years, and I don't think he's ever been to City Lights Church, so so glad you're here. Um, John chapter 14, verse 30. Jesus said this before, um, it was soon before he went, before he went to the cross. He said, uh, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world, which is talking about the devil, the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. Okay, Jesus said, Satan, he has no hold over me. The King James Version says, he has nothing in me. 
He has no claim on me. He has no part of me. He has nothing against me, okay? Jesus lived in this world as a man, totally free from Satan, totally free from anything demonic, totally free from the world systems. Jesus lived free. Listen, we can live free like this too. This wasn't just an example like as, you know, what God can do in the world. This is an example what humans can do empowered by the Holy Spirit in this world, okay? Living totally free. So my question is, what does it look like for the enemy of your soul to have nothing in you, no part in you, no secret hooks, right, in your heart, no, uh, no, no secret triggers that he, you know? Come on, I believe the enemy of our soul actually studies us to know what our triggers are. And then just at the right time, when we're vulnerable, when we're tired, when we're this, when we're that, when we're stressed, boom, right? I believe he studies, what does it look like to not have any triggers in our heart? Amen? Um, <clears throat> the Bible teaches that when we get saved, there are three things that we need set free from. I think maybe there are more, but I think they all boil down. They kind of distill down to these, to these three things. Uh, three things we need to be set free from. Three forms of bondage. Number one, the world or worldliness. And we talked about that last week. I'll do a brief review and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So the world or worldliness, we need set free from the systems and thinking of the world. Number two, the flesh, the fallen nature. And I'm, I'm talking about that today. And I think it'll be the week after next, at least one more or two more messages on um, the flesh or the fallen nature. And number three, we need set free many times, and this is underrated in the Western world because we, we don't really think like this. Sometimes we need free from demonic spirits. Demonic spirits are real. They're a real thing. And sometimes that is the problem. Sometimes it's not a discipleship problem. Sometimes the problem is it just something needs to leave, okay? So we'll talk about that. That'll be happening in a, in a, a few weeks. But last week we talked about being free from the world, being encumbered by the world's systems. Some believers, although saved, are still connected to and reliant on the systems and the thinking patterns of this world. Okay, when we get saved, God wants to deliver us from the systems and thinking patterns of this world. It's actually a form of bondage. If you're connected to and encumbered by worldliness, it is a form of bondage, but Christ has freedom for you and he wants you to step out of that, okay? He wants us to live victorious life. John chapter one, verses two through, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter, 1 John chapter two, verses 15 through 17. It says this, Jesus, um, John said this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Okay, I, um, I read it, I think last week it was the, um, the Passion Translation. It says, the love of God and the love of this world are incompatible. They don't agree, they don't get along, right? And, G and, and the Bible says, don't love the world or the things in the world, for if you do, the love of the Father isn't in you. Now I wanna say, I wanna pause on this and say this. God actually loves the world and he loves the people of the world, right? John 3.16 says, for God so loved that he gave, right? And so it's not saying, I hate everything about this world, right? We, we love people in the world. We actually love God's creation. I love God's creation. I love hiking. I love, I love doing things, okay? So it's not talking about that. It's talking about the system and the spirit of this age, not being bound by the system and the spirit of this age, okay? Um, God is not actually, despite what um, 
I think it's Gnosticism is the word. Um, despite what some people have taught, God is not against pleasure. He's actually the God of pleasure. He created pleasure, okay? What he's against is you um, having a, a worldly sinful pleasures in your life. He is the God of pleasure. Um, in, in the book of Psalms, David said, um, at, your pleasure, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, okay? So he's not against pleasure itself. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 16, uh, I'm sorry, 6 verse 17, it says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Okay, so God's not against you enjoying this life. He actually wants us to enjoy this. He doesn't want us to be encumbered by the, the systems and the spirit of this age. Um, last week, Ben, you didn't know I was going to say anything about you, did you? Um, he, he did a bike race up in Steamboat. He wasn't here at church because he signed up for a, a bike race, and um, a road bike race, and highly competitive. He trains all the time for this, and he's in the middle of his race, and, and he's like not in contention for being on the podium. And he said he felt like the Lord said, you can get on the podium, Okay, and he actually, that caused him to kick it up in the high gear and to keep going and keep trying and to like take some risks actually. And he ended up uh, third. Yeah, he ended up getting on the podium. So like, <clears throat> which is awesome. And I, I asked him about it, it's a really cool story. But I say that to say, God actually does care about the things you care about. He is into the things you're into, okay? And he's, he doesn't mind you having money, he minds money having you. He doesn't mind you having a hobby. He minds the hobby having you, right? He wants to have everything. You can have it all, Lord, every part of me, right? He just wants to have ownership. But once we give him the ownership of that, and he's the Lord of our lives, and those things aren't owning us, sometimes he'll jump in there and enjoy it with us. Like sometimes I'm on a run or I'm on a hike. I'm fellowship. I'm like, this is almost like worship for me. I'm worshiping as I'm doing something I love and I enjoy, okay? So I don't want to get like religious about, you know, don't love anything in the world. You know, there are things we can enjoy. God gives us things for our, our pleasure, our enjoyment. It's, it's the um, being bound by the systems and the spirit of this world. He doesn't want his children in that state. Amen? Okay. Many times, though, I think Christians get saved and they never get set free from worldliness. They never, get, they never break out of that. They never realize, like, this life, the Christian life, is supposed to look different, feel different, and act different than everything around it. Okay? Uh, don't, don't feel bad about looking different and being different than the world. We are supposed to, okay? So I just want to give you that. Um, some, I think some people, they've lived with something. They've lived with a form of bondage for so long that they don't know, they don't even know life, what life is like without it. You know, what is life like without it? I was preparing this message and I was thinking, it was at night, um, sometimes I'll prepare a message like any hour of the day, just when I feel like kind of inspired. And um, it was at nighttime and I stepped outside just to kind of think about this for a minute. And my neighbors across the street, it's like they were in bed and their window was open and I could hear their smoke alarm like chirping. It's like chirp. You know, you know how, have you ever been laying in bed and that stupid nine volt battery like decides to quit? It's middle of the night and the thing starts chirping. Okay, you have to get out of bed because how are you going to sleep with that, you know? I'm a light sleeper myself, so that's a pain. How many of it, has that happened to anyone here? Okay, okay, like lots of people, okay. Okay, that's fine. But how in the world, like these people are home. I know they're home, and I know they're sleeping there. How are you sleeping through this? I'm outside, and I can hear this thing. In fact, I, I even went, and, I even went, I think it's been chirping for, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. These guys are on our street. 
are you living like this? In fact, I closed my door and I like listen. And I can still hear it from inside my house. And these people are sleeping there. There's a point to this. Okay. Sometimes Christians, they, they live with something for so long. And you're like, you know, you can not have that. You know, you can live with, you know, it's possible to live without that bondage in your life, okay? And so what, I'm, what we're doing in this series, I wanna just call you higher. You can live without that bondage. You can live without that thing tying you down. Maybe it's been there as long as you can remember. Harmony talked about the shame thing. Man, man, break that shame off of you. Maybe you've lived with shame your whole life. Break that off of you. You don't need shame on you anymore. Jesus set you free from that, amen? Okay, so um, yeah, if you missed that message a couple of weeks, or last week, um, please feel free to go listen. It's on our website. But this week, I'm going to kind of introduce us to this topic about how to be free from the fallen nature, or many times the Bible talks about um, it being the flesh, okay? The title of my message today is called Free From Me. Look at your neighbor and say, free from me. Okay, free from me. Many, you might think that the devil's your biggest problem, or the people around you, the world's your biggest problem. Many times, our biggest problem is us. Okay, the problem with taking a uh, sabbatical to get away from it all is many times you, you well, every time, you take you with you, right? <laughs> People who want to go start over sometimes it's like, yeah, you're not really starting over because you left with you, right? <laughs> many times we are our own problem and we need to be free from us. We need to be free from our old nature. Okay, so um, the Bible talks about... Um, the old sinful nature and, and the flesh, it kind of uses those words synonymously, the flesh and the sinful nature. And I just want to, um, in the negative sense, when it talks about the flesh in the negative sense, it's talking about the old fallen sinful nature, okay? And I want to talk about what the Bible means by that. Now, first of all, your body in and of itself is good. Your body's your body in and of itself is created by God and your body is good. Now, our bodies are subject to decay, our bodies are subject to aging, that kind of stuff, because of the sinful world that we live in. Um, but God created your body as good, okay? So look at your neighbor and say, it's good. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's all good. Now say, look what the Lord has done. I'm just kidding. All right, all right. Okay, so when we say flesh in the negative sense, we're not talking about your physical body, because actually your body is kind of morally neutral. Okay, your body can do good, your body can do evil, right? Uh, let me give you an example of this. Money in and of itself is not evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil, right? Money's not evil. Money can do good, money can do evil, right? You can use money to, you can use money to uh, buy a dog, which would be good, right? Or you could use money to buy a cat, which would be evil, right? Okay. How many cat people we have here? I want to know who I offended. I'll apologize to you later. Apologize to you. No. Um, I actually don't mind cats. But you know what's funny about cat people and dog people? Um, if, if you're not a cat person, people are like, yeah, I'm not a cat person. People are like, okay, that's cool. But then when you say you're not a dog person, you're like, what's that person's problem? Like, God. It's okay not to be a cat, but a dog, like, I don't even have a dog, but I love dogs. They're amazing, right? Okay. All right. So your money, 
um, can do good, it can do evil. Your smartphone can do good. How many know? It can do evil. Your words can build people up. Your words can tear people down. So these are like morally neutral things. They can do good and they can do evil. Let me give you a scripture for this. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. It says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Okay? Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought back from, um, have brought, I'm sorry, have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Okay, so your body can do good, your body can do evil. Okay, the, the Greek word um, for flesh is the word uh, sarx, okay? And it's used to speak of both the, the fallen sinful nature and just your body, your flesh. Um, so both the negative and the positive sense. And I'll, and I'll give you an example of where this word was also used, just to kind of drive this point home. In John chapter uh, 1, verses 14, the Bible says that the word became flesh and dealt am- dwelt among us, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, that's the same word that the Bible uses when it talks about the flesh in the negative sense, like the old sinful nature. Now, how many know Jesus didn't become sinful when he became flesh, right? Um, if a body in and of itself was sinful, then Jesus would have become sinful when he became flesh. Okay, so your body's not the problem. Um, we're talking about the, when the Bible says flesh, that old, it's that old sinful nature that we need to deal with, okay? So... Your old sinful nature will keep you in bondage, even as a Christian, if you don't know how to deal with it, okay? And we're going to be talking about that for the next couple weeks. But the Bible talks about how we can be free from the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, right? The lust of the eyes, those things, okay? And today, we're, not, we're certainly not going to get through all of it. But what I, rather, what I want to do today is I want to kind of raise our... I want to give you a new vision. I want to give you a new vision of this and what is possible with God, Okay? And so I want to start with this. I want to start with this. It is possible, and I kind of mentioned this already, it is possible to be free indeed from your flesh. It is possible to be free from the old sin nature. Okay? Now, did I say we'd walk perfect 100% of the time? Well, maybe not. Okay, I didn't say we'd walk perfect 100% of the time. But it is possible to live over the power of sin, okay? And I'm not talking about an eternity or someday. I'm, I mean like today. You can live over its power. Man, many times I think people come to church and this is, this is kind of what we hear. Um, well, you know, we're always gonna sin. We're always gonna mess up, you know? And we sing songs about how bad we are. God, you, but you love me anyway, even though I'm really bad and I'm a, I'm a wretch, you know what I mean? And, and the reason why we do that is because number one, it seems relatable. Like it's relatable to be like, well, we're always gonna mess up. We're always, you know, we're always gonna sin. And no one, and of course, no one wants to hear a pastor on his high horse and how great he is, of course. Here's my concern though. My concern is that in the spirit of being relatable, we have taken our eyes off of what is possible. Okay? My concern is that in the, in the spirit of being relatable, we've taken our eyes off our potential. Okay? Um, I'm all for vulnerability. I'm all for people, like, if people see my weaknesses and my mistakes, and I'm all for being vulnerable. I think we should have a culture of vulnerability, a genuine, authentic culture, right? And I don't ever want people to feel condemned 
You know, if, you come, if you're here and you are stuck in something, you are in bondage or you keep going back to the old thing, listen, we love you. God loves you. But let's get free. Let's move past that. Amen? Okay. So my proposal is, how good is it? How, how, how good can it be? How free can we really be? What does the Bible actually teach us about how free we can really be? Many times our measuring stick for how free we can be um, in this world is, is us. We're measuring ourselves by ourselves and we're measuring ourselves with the people around us and the world around us, right? The measuring stick for how free you can possibly be is not the people around you. The measuring stick is what the Bible says you can do, okay? It's like physical healing. The measuring stick for physical healing isn't like, well, I prayed and that person didn't get healed, so I guess, I guess God, it's not his will or his time or, or whatever, okay? What happened? Our measuring stick became our, our experience, okay? Our measuring stick became our life. Our measuring stick became our unanswered prayer, and that's never supposed to happen. Our measuring stick, this is why we always contend for healing. There are, breakthrough in, there are breakthroughs in my life that I need. There are healing that, healings that I want to see in people around me, okay? Now, if my measuring stick was my experience, I would have given up on healing a long time ago. But that's not my measuring stick. My measuring stick is what the Bible says is possible. Amen? Okay. And so in the spirit of being relatable, sometimes we like, you know, we get together and we just kind of, you know, lick, lick our wounds and just kind of console each other. And like, well, you know, we're always going to sin and you're always going to be sick. And we're always, let's just, you know, we talk about grace to endure, which is grace to endure is super important. But many times we don't talk about the grace to overcome. Okay. We need the grace to overcome. All right. So um, let's look at a couple scriptures. We won't get too far today, but I want to kind of whet your appetite and raise your, your view a little bit. Uh, let's look at John First uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. This is the, the first half of the verse. It says this, Dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. Just kind of leave that hanging for a second. I write this to you so that you will not sin. It seems to me that if he says here, I'm writing you a letter and giving you some instructions, so that you won't sin. It seems to me that maybe it's possible. Right? Maybe it's possible. <clears throat> if we're always going to sin, why would he write this? If we're always going to mess up, we're always going to stumble, we always expect that. Like it becomes our self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, we're always going to sin. Well, of course you are. You believe you always are. Okay? Let's look at the whole verse. John chap- uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Watch this. But if, notice the word if. If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Okay, he doesn't say, um, but when we sin, we have an advocate. He says, if you sin, when you, if you stumble, if you mess up, you have, you have an advocate. You have a lawyer, right? He doesn't say when you do. It's not a declaration, oh, you're always going to mess up and you're always going to be a big failure. Okay, he's saying when, or he's saying if, okay? So my problem is sometimes we go to church and there's more emphasis placed on us being big fat failures rather than the fact of God, God has empowered us to live above it all, okay? So I believe many times we're doing ourselves a disservice by talking about how big fat failures we are, right? Now there's grace, of course there's grace and, and, and there's no condemnation ever, ever. There's no condemnation, but we can live above it all. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Last year, um, my younger daughter, Evie, <coughs> 
I, I think I've mentioned this before, but she was, um, she was on, a, on a soccer team. And her soccer team was, they sucked. Like, they were really bad, okay? And uh, um, she was, she's pretty good. She's pretty good at soccer, but her team was, was really bad. And uh, they lost every game. I think they tied one game. Like, they worked really hard to tie one game. And so, you know, we learned some things about sportsmanship and that it's not always, the point isn't always uh, to win. And so, and we'd ask everyone, we're like, Evie, when the coach gets together, when the coach gets together and, um, you know, huddles with the group, do you, what do you guys talk about? Like, does she say like, hey, you know, because I could see lots of opportunities on the field, right? And I'm like, does they say like, do that position and this position? She's like, no, she kind of just encourages us. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, you know, cool. But I'm thinking the job of the coach, yes, you need to be encouraging because like, hey, we're losing here. Um, you need to be encouraging, like keep the morale up, but let's also empower them to win, right? And so um, this year, she's on a new team. They just had their first game yesterday, and they won. Awesome. So, and uh, yay, they won a game. Evie scored a couple of goals. This, this coach is a little bit different. This coach, he's really competitive, okay? And he doesn't just, like, put the girls into play. Like, you know, the other one would kind of rotate them through so they all play every position. And this guy is, like, obviously putting, like, people forward that will score goals and, like, putting people, like, okay, you don't like the run, you're the goalie. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can score goals, you're the forward, like, this, okay, so what did he do? He's, he's taking, they're potentially saying, the, the, the job isn't just to come around and console one another, the job is to win, okay? And at church, it is, by the way, if you were wondering, no, little girl soccer, the goal is to win, okay? And I will say this in your life, sometimes church feels like that, it's like, we're not just here to like, make each other feel better, we're actually here to help each other win, right? We're here to break things off and be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Okay, so some of, I can hear the questions. I can hear right now, what about Romans 7, where it says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I, you know, wish I could do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. Listen, I don't have time to go into that, but I don't believe that's what that's talking about, that you're always going to be a sinner, okay? Romans 7 isn't um, the default normal Christian lifestyle, if you're thinking that. But I'll give you another verse that maybe you're thinking. Someone's rebuttal might be this. First John chapter 8. So this is just a couple verses before, verses 8 through 10. If we claim, he says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay? If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, so someone's like, see, Pastor Kurt? There it is, right there. It says, if we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But what I want to say about that, that is not a declaration that you're always going to be a failure. That is not a declaration that you're always going to be bound by sin. That's just saying, hey, if you think you don't need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and to make you saved and to make you right, you've got another thing coming. You're deceived. Like, you need, like, before you can come to Christ, you kind of have to realize, I need him, right? I'm lost without him, right? Okay, that's not a declaration of your life that you're always going to be bound by sin, that you're always going to be messed up, okay? That's saying there's a time in our life we need the blood of Jesus, but once we get the blood of Jesus, there is grace and empowerment to live beyond the flesh, okay? So let me, let me put these verses side by side. This doesn't, if this makes sense, watch this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
Okay, like two verses later. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, let me do it again. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, that doesn't matter. If, 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 if we're always gonna be sinners and always gonna be messing up, why would he say I write this to you so you do not sin? That doesn't add up, okay? He's saying if you don't think you've fallen short and you need the grace of God in your life, then you're deceived. Okay, Pastor Kerr, are you saying you're perfect? No. <laughs> no, in fact, ask my wife, right? No, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I don't stumble along the way, but this is what I am saying, and this is what I'm saying to you today. What I am saying is I'm not sin waiting to happen, okay? I don't look at myself as sin waiting to happen. I look at myself as righteousness waiting to manifest, okay? I don't wake up in the morning thinking I'm sin waiting to happen. I think I'm a, I'm a son of God, and I'm going to look like my father today, and I'm going to manifest Jesus today, okay? What is the point? That I want to be righteousness-focused, and I want to focus on what he did for me rather than some experiences I may have had, okay? And I think so many times, I think many times we do ourselves a disservice by focusing more on the failure than what, on who God says we are. Like, how are you going to be who God says you are? You have to believe he is, you are who he says you are, right? If you believe it, then you'll act that way. If I teach you you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith, right? <laughs> if I teach you you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith. If I teach you you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you might just live that way, and you might live with victory over the flesh, okay, over that old fallen nature, all right? So instead of waking up saying, I'm, I'm waiting to mess up, Wake up thinking I'm a son or I'm a daughter of God and I'm gonna manifest righteousness everywhere I go. Okay, now if you do stumble along the way, thank God we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous one, right? Praise God that if we do stumble along the way, we have, a, we have someone, a lawyer, we have someone with us. But it's not a declaration of your life that you will always be encumbered by sin. You'll always be tied down. You'll always be bogged down. Like we, I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we do that. Now listen, if that is you here and you are tied up and you are messed up, there's no condemnation. Of course, no, none, never. And listen, we all, need, we all need grace, right? We all need that. But I believe there's a higher potential that God has for us. Okay. So next time I preach, <clears throat> what I want to do, I didn't give you very practical how-tos today. I want to get into some very practical how-tos to live free from the old man, the old sin nature, okay? And we'll be very meticulous going through this. Rather, what I wanted to do today was kind of raise your view, raise your vision of what is possible. How free can you be? How free can we be in Christ Jesus? I've got a couple, a couple of pictures here. Go ahead and put that first picture up. Okay, this is a Raptor F-22, okay? These things are BA, okay? I didn't say it, I just said initials, okay? All right. <laughs> they're sleek, they're sexy, they're fast, they're lethal. The, okay, the Raptor F-22 defines air dominance. The fifth generation F-22's unique stealth, speed, agility, and situational awareness combined with lethal long-range air-to-air and air-to-ground weaponry makes it the best, dominance, uh, the best air dominant fighter in the world, okay? They can go almost 1,500 miles per hour. They cost $150 million each. Like, they're really expensive, okay? Um, Go to the, go to that. There's, I got one more. Okay, so this is an F-22. I think this is actually, it's refueling over Syria at night. Like these are capable, powerful, really expensive machines, okay? 
What if we didn't know this machine's potential? Like we spent $150 million on it. Like, you know, they're really expensive. What if we didn't know this machine's potential and we just thought, you know what this thing can be good for? Let's hang some, some wet laundry and let it dry on the, on the wings and on the nose. And on the, you know what I mean? Like if we, if we didn't see this thing for what it could actually do, like it's super stealthy, like radar doesn't even pick it up. Like it scatters radar and absorbs radar. Like regular radar can't even detect this thing. That's how amazing this thing is. If we didn't realize what this thing could do, yeah, we could we'd put laundry on it or we would, you know, get underneath and have a picnic, you know, because it would provide us with some shade, right? This is what I want to say to you guys. I think many times we don't know our potential in Christ and we live so far below what God, who God says we are. And then we live in the messes that God says, you're called for so much more than this. Now, let me give you a story. When I was, <clears throat> when I was 17 years old, um, I worked... Um, I lived in Brighton, and I worked at um, a Safeway in Brighton, and we kind of lived east of town, so we were kind of in the country. And one night, I got off of work, and it's night, you know, because when you get hired, you have no seniority, you work all the nights. Um, and I'm heading home on, on, the, on the road, and I see something in the road, like, I'm not sure what it is, but I don't have any time to kind of like swerve or react, but um, it, it's an owl, and it has time, like it's standing in front of me on the road. It's an owl, and it has time to do like one swoop, which raised it just enough to like hit my bumper. <laughs> like it raised it just enough to just get clipped by my bumper, okay? And I actually heard my bumper go like, bing, like it had this push bar on there. I actually heard like the metal like, you know, resound a little bit because I hit it. I was like, oh, dang it, I hit something. So I kind of pulled over. There's no one on the road. It's really late at night. I pull over, and it's this beautiful owl. That's, he's dead. Like, he's, he's gone. Okay, beautiful, beautiful owl. Okay, and I'm like, you know, hey, ever hit something? It's like it's a bummer. I don't want to kill something today, you know? Um, that's a bummer. And so um, I, I get back in my car and I'm driving home and I'm kind of like, oh, that's sad. I killed a really like beautiful bird. And I asked, I was actually at that time, I was really coming alive in the Lord, but I was also still messed up in a lot of ways. Okay, <laughs> so, and um, I asked the Lord, I'm like, oh, Lord, what? what is an owl doing standing in the road? Now, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in that moment. He says, what is a Christian doing standing in sin? And I was like, oh boy. At that time in my life, I was just messed up. I wasn't free yet. I was, I was messed up in some things still. I was coming alive in the Lord and he was revealing himself to me in really powerful ways, but I was just, just not free yet, man. I was, just, I was just still encumbered. He says, what is a Christian doing standing in sin? And I realized that day, he had given me these wings He'd give me this grace to fly above that garbage. He'd give me grace to be set free and to walk free, okay? And listen, it is the same with you and me. God has called us so much higher than being encumbered and weighed down by the things of the flesh. So I want to give you permission today to say you can be free. You're not always, you don't, you're not waking up as a sinner. You're waking up as a saint, okay? You're not sin waiting to happen. Your grace waiting to manifest. Your righteousness waiting to manifest, amen? I'll give you one more scripture and then we'll close. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used, uh, used to live when you followed the ways of, this, of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, 
even when we are dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. Watch this, verse six. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Okay? He took us out of that and he raised us up and we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Okay? We are seated with him. That is our natural, that is our by right. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Okay, you might be living here, but you have a dual citizenship. You're here right now, but you're also seated with him in heaven. He's, what is the point? He's called us to a new perspective. He's called us higher. He's called us to live from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven, okay? He's called us to live from what the, what's possible, not what we observe around us, okay? Our, our measuring stick isn't our experience. Our measuring stick isn't our doubt. Our measuring stick isn't our negative experience. Our measuring stick is what the Bible says is possible about us. Amen? All right. Well, I'm gonna pray for you guys. Who's closing? You are? Cool. I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. Lord Jesus, I thank you. <clears throat> I just pray today, God, that we would see ourselves for who you say we are, that there is so much potential. We are called so much higher, Lord God. And I just pray for every individual in this room, Lord, that we would see ourselves as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, sons and daughters, not a second-rate child, not, not a um, squeak, you know, just getting in barely. God's fully brought you in. He's fully brought you in. You're fully a son and daughter. And we break off any shame, any guilt, any condemnation right now because you're better than that. You need to live above that. And so we, I just blessed um, everyone with this word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.